Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options. In stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Introducing DirecTV Stream, the best of live TV and on demand, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. So whether you want to catch the game live or watch the latest blockbuster, they've got you covered. And there's no annual contract. DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together at directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet and compatible device. Content varies by package and location. Restrictions apply. Um, and also you're seeing more women get play-by-play opportunities, which I think is is even more important to have females have more opportunities to be that lead voice of, of doing play-by-play. Um, one of my good friends, Jenny Kavnar, was among the first with the Colorado Rockies. Um, there are women doing it in both television all right, welcome to another episode of the Walking Up Podcast. My name is Francisco. I am joined by my co-host, Todd. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, take a quick moment and do that. We have a great show for you today. We have an awesome interview with Sophia Minert from Valley Sports, as well as some uh, trade talk that we'll go ahead and jump into soon. The trade deadline is in full effect as we see teams making different moves to try to one-up the other. Todd, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing fantastic aside from trying to sift through like I didn't realize the NBA draft was tonight too so I'm here excited to just scroll through the timeline see you know MLB trades and rumors and I've got all this NBA stuff getting in the way like come on I might just have to mute NBA altogether every player that's in the league all of it just for like the next 24 hours yeah, for sports fans, this is the this is a perfect time. It has a little bit of everything. Uh, football is just kicking into gear. Basketball has the draft, and then of course with baseball, the trade deadline, like we we I had mentioned earlier, and uh, we had a great interview with Sophia. We talked a little trade with her. We talked some Willie Adamas, some Escobar, as well as uh, we asked her the most important question: Are the Brewers going to make any more moves? And she was very quick with her answer. I'm not going to give it what she said. I'll I'll tease that. But uh, it's been uh, it's been a really interesting time. What were your thoughts when you heard about the uh, Escobar trade to the to the Brewers? Uh, I liked it. It was a bit of a letdown because you know I've been hoping for uh, Jose Ramirez to make his way over here, but. Obviously, that didn't work out yet. Yet, we're going to go there. Uh, but I like Escobar. Obviously, a rental player. Um, we gave up, what, a 26-year-old catcher and a 18-year-old kid. So not a not a ton that we gave up there. And, and to get a guy like Escobar, good contact guy, got a little pop in his bat, switch hitter, can play second and third very well. I would assume he can play some first base, too. And we've still got, like I mentioned, you know, all those pieces in the farm system yet to use if they they get the opportunity to make another move here. Yeah, and we know how the Brewers love the versatility. He has played 567 games at third base, 329 at shortstop, 137 at second base. He's played in left field. Uh, he's been a DH. He actually has a 0.00 ERA because he has actually pitched as well. So he can do it all. And just having him trade it to the team, it's going to be a huge boost in production just because looking at his numbers, he's been having a really good season. He was obviously an all-star for um, Arizona. And just looking at his numbers here on the season, he's batting 246, 22 home runs, 65 RBIs. He has a stolen base. Uh, he has a couple doubles. He has been doing uh, doing it all in there in Arizona. And from what we've been told by other people is that they really appreciated him on their team. And he was really well-respected. And he's going to be a great clubhouse presence for the Brewers. Hopefully we can see him produce 
sort of how we saw Willie Adamas start to really heat up as soon as he came over here to the Brewers. And then look at Rowdy Telez. There's something going yep. on here in Milwaukee in the waters here. And uh, if I, I have a an interesting idea, I'll throw this at you. Everyone who's been traded here so far has really succeeded uh, from Richards to Rowdy. How about how about the Brewers go ahead and make a trade, get rid of Keston, probably to the Mariners, because that's who we like to do business with, and then get him back a month later. And then once he's back here, he's been traded over to us. Yeah. And he'll kind of start kicking it off just like everyone else has been traded here. So that's just a thought. I unfortunately, have. I unfortunately, we won't be able to trade back for him this season. True. But we could get him back in the offseason and man, he could just light it on fire. It'd be great. And to be honest, we don't we probably don't need him. He probably won't play much this season, even if he is here. So, yeah, trade him, you know, do the whole Jacob Nottingham thing. Give him to the Mariners. The Mariners will give him right back to us later. I feel yeah. like that's a great idea. Once we get once we get a traded player over here, they completely change their. It's just because when you go from a team that's not winning to a team that is winning and you have that just change of scenery. Like yeah. Rowdy Teles, he went from a team that was good in, in Toronto, but they may not make the playoffs. So now a team that's in first place and with a pretty good stronghold on their division. Yeah, and I think getting you know consistent at bats too. We've talked about that throughout the year. Yeah. Luis Urias wasn't seeing that really early in the year since he's been the primary third baseman. Uh, he's been a lot more consistent there, seeing every day at bats. Rowdy Teles, you know, with with Keston not hitting, you know, at all. And Vogie being out, Telez has been the everyday guy there, and and just in that groove and feeling the rhythm, um, it's definitely paying dividends for him there. Yeah, and he's he's batting really well. He has a couple home runs, a couple RBIs. He has more RBIs with us than he had in like triple the amount of games in Toronto. So yeah, just having him get some consistent at bats. I don't I don't know if there is a spot for Keston Hira when you know once he. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with him. I don't know once if Vogelbach's healthy, are they going to keep him, send down Keston? There's there's a lot of question marks, but you were talking about how he wanted the, the, the third baseman from in, the Indians. Luis Urias has been doing well, but over the last 15 games, he's only batting 212. He only has five RBIs in the last, let's see, what is that, 15 games. And at 52 at-bats, he struck out a decent amount. He's walks a ton, but he's not being as productive. So if they can get third base also upgraded with a player, yeah. you know, then we can have him kind of move around in a utility role. And I think that would suit the suit the brewer so much more. And like he's he's holding it down, right? Like you said, he's being productive. He's getting consistent at bats. But a team like if you look at all these other teams making moves, the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants probably coming up soon. You're going to have to upgrade wherever you could possibly upgrade it. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, an important thing to take. Um, one of our co-hosts, Wendy, I believe mm-hmm. tweeted out, you know, that the Padres and the Dodgers are making these big splashes um, to try and keep up because we've got the best top three uh, rotation coming oh, into. You can, you can give me the credit. I did that. I tweeted. Oh, that. was that you? Oh yeah. I said, uh, I said, don't worry about this brewers. They're just, they're making all these moves because they're trying to keep up with Woodruff Burns and Peralta because none of those teams have three starters like we do. The the Dodgers did get Max Scherzer. So they're probably right up there with us, but they're, I don't know if they'll win the West. If they don't, they have a wild card and they face either the Giants or the Padres. Like there's a chance the brewers won't even see them. So like I said, don't even worry about it right now. We just focus on what we're doing and let it all play out. I think the the key there, though, is they've also, you know, the Padres added uh, Adam Frazier on offense. Um, Trey Turner is yeah. likely heading to the Dodgers. You know, so they're bringing in some offensive pieces as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think we've got more holes in our offense to begin with than they did. So if yeah. Rowdy can pan out, fantastic. Uh, if Eduardo Escobar is what Eduardo Escobar has been uh, so far this season and, and the last few years, Great. We still need Christian Yelich to start hitting. You know, we we still if, if he's not going to start hitting and Keston's not going to start hitting, we've got to find another bat somewhere. And I mean, Kane's looked good his first few games back, but what can you expect from him? Um, 
And if you're not getting an all out, you know, kind of high production from Lorenzo Cain, you're getting next to nothing from Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, and we've seen Tyrone Taylor, the ups and downs that he has. Um, he can he can be really good, but he also he's young and, and can still struggle. So I, I think finding one more bat place to put him is is ideal. Um, I don't know, maybe what I mentioned in the group chat. Go get John Gray and Trevor Story. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't complain. Not at all. Yeah, me either. I feel like that would give us another arm as well as a very productive player at shortstop. And he can probably move. I know that there was a rumor team that wanted him to play in the outfield. I don't know if that was the Brewers. Um, I've heard it was actually a couple different teams now, really. And I think having somebody like him would be great. I I would really like to see them try to find somebody who would take the contract of Jackie Bradley Jr. And then throw in a couple of prospects to kind of sweeten that deal. And then get him off the books as well as out of the outfield and out of the lineup, really. And maybe try to find somewhere else that we can get in the in the lineup. And I know he has great defense, but at this point, what he's providing on offense, I would, I would rather have an offensive production and a little bit less on the defense than have, you know, a gold glove defensive player, but he's given us nothing. Yeah. I I mean, and he's granted he's played well defensively for Lorenzo Kane while he's been out. Um, but I think we're, we're kind of hitting that stretch now towards the end of the season, which is crazy to say. Um, mm-hmm. but I think that's kind of how the Brewers saw the season going for Lorenzo Kane, making sure he got plenty of time off, after an out last year, um, you know, making sure that come this time of year, Lorenzo Kane is ready to be Lorenzo Kane. The way that Tyrone Taylor has been playing, if he's your fourth outfielder, terrific. You're absolutely right. If you can find somebody uh, to take that contract of, of Jackie Bradley Jr. Unfortunately, I think the best fit there involves probably to the Padres and bringing back either Will Myers or Eric Hosmer's contract with it. <laughs> yeah. Eric yeah. Hosmer's I mean, at least another... he's a productive player. Yeah. And he, he wants out of, he wants out of San Diego. Uh, they were, they were rumored to be looking for another first baseman to replace him, but he's, he's been having a very productive season. Uh, I know he has a huge contract, but if the, if the Padres are willing to eat some of that money and, with the contract that he has similar to the Jackie Bradley jr. If we take his contract, we probably don't have to give them a top top, you know, prospect just because we are taking on that responsibility of that, of that contract, which is still several years. Um, I, I feel like that'd be a great move for the brewers because they have, they'll have some consistency at first base. Uh, he can steal bags. He's offensively. He produces, he's very good defensively. Uh, that's a, a move that hasn't really been talked too much about. And I don't know if that's really going to happen. I don't know if the if the Padres have another option right now at first base if they don't make a trade. But if they do make a trade for a first baseman, then I, I can you can look to see him possibly moved. Um, but look, I would just while I was talking, I was looking up Rowdy Telez's numbers in the last in his last 24 at bats. He has 12 hits. So he's batting 500 in the last seven games. Oh yeah, no, he's home doing runs it. and eleven RBIs. That's that's pretty good. That's very good. Absolutely. But how long do you count on that? Right, right. And we that's that's the thing. And I know uh there's that the idea of well, he's producing a you know, he's producing now. Why don't we keep him and maybe upgrade a different position? He he hasn't shown enough, he doesn't have a long enough track record of being productive for a long period of time for us for the front office to be like, you know what? We can really, we can really focus on a different position because he, 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 he can hold down first base offensively and defensively, but he, he just doesn't have that track record. He's been up and down. He had a really good season in 19, not too. He had even better season in 20. Then he started off poorly this season. Now he's picking it back up. So maybe, maybe he can be the long-term answer at first base. We don't, we don't know, but at right. this moment they need, they need another bat to kind of pair up with him. And uh, I'm interested to see what they do. I think they also need to add an- another reliever. Uh, our bullpen is doing really well. We have some younger or maybe inexperienced relievers who have been pitching well. Hunter Strickland has been really good for the team. Jake Cousins has been exceptional. 
Um, Brent Suter is what he is. The only thing that kind of scares me about about Brent Suter, and I mentioned this yesterday in our in my podcast, um, is that he has given up 51 hits in 49 in a third inning. So he's given up more hits than he's than innings pitched, and that's in the postseason. That's that's really not that's not what you want, right? Especially if they bring right. him in with, with runners in scoring position. His ERA is 3.10, but I I didn't look this up, but I would be really interested to see how many runs he allowed to score that weren't on his record, right? So I feel like when he comes in with runners in scoring position, he's never really gotten them out. And we definitely need an upgrade. Brad Boxberger has been good as well. He's pitched in 44 games, 40.2 innings, you know, ERA of 2.88. He's looked solid. And, of course, we have, you know, Hader, an excellent, an elite closer and then Devin Williams who he's injured now, but we don't, we're assuming he's going to be back to what he was. And if we do have that, then we have the eighth and ninth lockdown, but if we can get somebody to really come in and who can throw gas and, you know, get strikeouts, somebody like a Richard Rodriguez, uh, Dylan Floro from the Marlins, uh, even Curtis from the Marlins. I wanted Yami, Yami, Jaime Garcia, uh, from the Marlins, but he was traded to the Astros. But I mean, I think I think the Brewers definitely definitely need to add at least one more um, high leverage reliever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and while you were talking about that, I was looking up Rowdy Telez's contract um, mm-hmm. status. He's so he j- just turned twenty six. Yeah. Um, so you know, kind of the rule of thumb is twenty six to twenty eight is the guy's prime. He starts his first year of arbitration eligibility next year. Uh, he's not scheduled to be a free agent until 2025. So, I mean, he could be a consistent guy there for the next few years uh, playing first base. And if he's, you know, starting to to kind of reach his prime, okay, that's I'm, yep. I'm not mad about that. For sure. And like I said, if they can find someone to kind of pair, match him up with, maybe play the platoon a little bit. Mm-hmm. And really um, maximize the potential and the uh, what they get out of first base. That's that's ideal, and that's what the Brewers like to do. They lo- they love versatility. They like to platoon a little bit here, play the splits, play the matchups. Very analytical in, in how they make their decisions. So I think uh, he while he is producing, and like you said, we don't know how long he can keep it up. I think he can be an above average player. I don't think he's going to bat five hundred. I mean, that'd be awesome if he did. But he's not going to keep that pace up. But at the same time, if he's being productive, then if they don't add a first baseman and they just kind of keep him and Eduardo Escobar kind of tag teaming first base, they can upgrade a different position. Maybe they upgrade third base. Maybe they upgrade shortstop and have or sorry, second base and have Lorenzo or not Lorenzo Kane, um, Colton Wong, who's been injured off and on this whole season, kind of give him a little break here and there. There's there's a lot of moves they make, and this Eduardo Escobar trade really gives them a little bit of more flexibility in how they're how they're making the decisions because he is flexible and you know in a utility type role. Yeah, and I think it's nice having um, you know Luis Urias there, who's yeah. proven he can play solid defense um, mm-hmm. around the infield. You know he can still get regular at bats, spelling. Colton Wong taking a day at short. Um, I think your late game defense in a close game, you move Escobar over to first and and you've got Urias at at third with Adamas and Wong up the middle. Like, yeah, okay, good luck. And then in the outfield, you can put Kane, JBJ, and and Garcia out there, or Yelich. I mean, he's won a gold glove as well. You know, you've got options out there to to just move guys around defensively to make this a really solid unit. Um, with with the pitching that they have too, I mean, you can hell you could get two runs in the second inning and <laughs> go to go to small ball and just start playing defense. And th- that's what this team is built on, right? This past off season, they really focused on defense, getting Colton Wong, getting Jackie Bradley Jr. That was what they were really emphasizing, <clears throat> and pitching and defense. And when they had, you know ground ball pitchers like an Anderson, they they want to have that defense behind him. I think, uh, I think they're really set up. Well, I think we can get one more reliever. I don't know if they're going to get a third baseman. I know that the name 
Josh Donaldson has been thrown out. Uh, Kyle Seeger is somebody I've kind of been wanting them to go and grab. I just don't know what the what the Mariners are doing because now they're only like, what two two and a half games back of the AL wild card. Although they just traded their best reliever to the Astros, so who knows what what the Mariners are, are but doing? But then they traded for another one, and they traded for a bat. I mean, they're like, yeah, but but it, Kendall Graveman was having an excellent season, and did you see yeah. him? He was like in tears when they when they he found out he's being traded. It was sort of similar to, uh, was it two thousand fifteen or sixteen when the was it Wilmer Wilmore Flores was going to be. Was it to the Brewers? I think. Yeah, and they were going to trade him, and then he was crying, and then it ended up not working out. I, yeah, I don't know what the Mariners are doing, but Kyle. Well, I, I look- think it, I think it was a bit of when they when they traded uh, Graveman, the the clubhouse kind of went off. Um, yeah, simply because they've been playing their asses off. They were a game and a half out at the time. They just beat, came back and beat the Astros, and. Then you turn around and you trade away your reliever to the Astros. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of a why the hell are we here? So I think yeah. that's kind of what spurred some of these moves in the last week from them was them going, okay, we're going to have an, an uprising here and, yeah. and lose everything if we don't stay competitive. This team's put us here. Let's hope we can keep going. So, yeah, I mean, they they looked like sellers. Yeah. The, the Yankees a week ago looked like they were probably sellers. Um, I still don't think they have the pitching that is necessary, but I tell you what, if you need a left-handed bat to hit one out of the ballpark, they've got that on lockdown. Like that's. <laughs> yeah. They were able to get Joey Gallo and they also traded for um, Anthony Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo from the Cubs. The Cubs have traded a good amount of people now. Uh, and just kind of going over the the some of the trades that happened, the Yankees got Joey Gallo, uh, the Blue Jays got uh, Brad Hand from the the Nationals. The Nationals are pretty much sell mode now; they're getting rid of everybody uh, with Trey Turner gone and also Scherzer gone. Uh, Kyle Schwarber did he get he got traded to the Red Sox? Correct. Correct. Yeah, so he's gone, and um, Jose Barrios. I think he is the uh, the hot. The hot topic now. I think the Yankees may try to get him. If they do, then they're they're back in it because they have an, another starting pitcher to kind of pair up with um, their their number one um, uh, Burns. No, Cole, Cole Hamels, not Cole Hamels. Cole, Garrett, sorry, Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole. <laughs> they can pair him up with Garrett Cole, and uh, then you know Danny Duffy was traded uh, to the Dodgers as well, so they're picking up some players, uh, some pieces. Uh, the Mariners, they you're right. They got Castillo from the Tampa Bay Rays, but he's he's a replacement for Kendall Graveman. But he's he's not going to be able to replicate what Kendall is doing. Uh, They're having a really good a trade that really surprised me was the Marlins. They traded uh, their outfielder to Oakland for one of Oakland's. They at one point they're one of their number one prospects, um, Jesus that- Lazardo, who started. <laughs> yeah. He started, I think, the wild card series against the White Sox last season, and yeah. he started the AL uh, DS against the the Astros. And next thing you know, he's gone for two or three months of uh, uh, Starlin Marte. Starlin Marte. So that's, yeah, that's which is that. <laughs> that might end up being the steal of this deadline. I mean, it's it, that was one that I think you know the Cubs, where they've got a pile of rental players on their yeah. team right now. They had to wake up and and just absolutely hate that because that's the deal that happens that every GM looks around and goes, that can't happen to us. We can't be the ones that pull that trigger. And everybody all of a sudden tightens up a little bit on who they're willing to give up. I couldn't, when I saw that, that Lazardo <laughs> went in that one, I was like, okay, well, who else did they get? That was it. Oh, no, but no, <laughs> what? Okay. Jeez. And they've got good young pitching. They have um, a ton of good pitching. Yeah, adding uh, him into that mix. I mean, they're Kim Ng knows what she's doing, man. She's she's gonna turn that that place into a competitive ball club. Yeah, like they had a lot of injuries this season to some of their starting pitching. Um, Jesus Aguilar, I don't they want to sign him. He said he wants to stay there. He has one more year. They want to re-sign him as well. They don't want to trade him because they need production, they don't really have offensive production that's kind of been their their issue this season because they're i think one of the 
top five rotations in the National League. They just haven't been able to hit much. So I think I think they may try to keep him. But a, a first baseman, a name that I'll throw at you is uh, CJ Crone. I have somebody I had uh, kind of kept my eye on. He has uh, uh, 14 home runs, 43 RBIs. He has a stolen base. He's walked a decent amount. And uh, he's, you know, his average isn't high. But at, the, at this point, um, he has some pop and he's a pretty good defensive first baseman. And he's had seasons of 30 home runs, 25 home runs. Uh, season, I think in 2019, his season high was 78 RBIs with uh, with Minnesota. And he had a really good year there. And uh, so I think he's the name that maybe the Brewers can try to pull. He, he's, I think he's a free agent after this season. So perhaps... Uh, he may not be too expensive, but if they can grab somebody like him as well, just to kind of shore up first base, I think uh, I think that's that would be another great option that might not get as much talk right now. But I think that's something they, I'm sure they're looking at everybody. Like every team does, right? At this time, your the front office's phones are ringing off the hook. It's no one's getting sleep probably till three o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, right? But. Uh, yeah, and I mean, he would be a guy. I think you're you're looking at your Keston replacement for the rest of this year with a guy mm-hmm. like CJ Crone, um, especially if Telez. Obviously, he's not going to stay as hot as he is, but if he keeps right. a, a good bat and he's going to see the majority of right-handed pitching, um, I think the downside with Crone is that knowing um, that you're going to see, you know, th- that Telez is going to see the majority of that pitching, he doesn't have a lot of versatility. Um, DH and first base are the only positions he's played throughout his career. Uh, so, you, you know, you, you'd like to see a little bit more there. Um, but then again, I mean, where else are you going to play somebody right now? We've got a log jam in the outfield. We've now got a log jam in the infield. I mean, I, I, what do you, what do you got? Yeah, that's a great point. I think, I think just collect all the talent you can and then try to figure out where to play, yep. play people yep. next that you know once you get once the deadline's over um but let's let's real quick um i want to get to our interview with sophia but let's just briefly kind of look at the scores from this past series uh we, we have been playing the pirates i think we have what today's thursday so one more game with them to- oh no do we have a game with them tomorrow um i do not believe so okay. let me so check series- no because we're we're uh heading to atlanta for the yeah. weekend Okay, so yep. we just finished the series against the Pirates, and we did well with them. And then we're, now we're going to face Atlanta. Uh, why don't we go ahead quick, uh, as briefly as we can, uh, get go through uh, how how everything went down through uh, with the Pirates series? Yeah, I mean, we were um, two Rodolfo Castro at-bats away from having a three-game shutout. Uh, he's the only guy that had an RBI, 22-year-old second baseman. Um out of uh, out of the Dominican Republic there. And he started his career uh, so far because he didn't play today, or at least he didn't have a hit today. He had five hits to start his career. All five were home runs. Uh, so kids got a little pop there. Uh, but going back to Tuesday night, game one of the series, Brewers won nine to nothing. Jumped out uh, to an early lead there scoring eight runs in the first two innings. And then uh, I believe it was our boy, Rowdy Telez added a homer there in the top of the ninth. Um, Narvaez, Lorenzo Kane got back into things quick with an RBI. Uh, and then uh, Avi and uh, Rowdy also had some RBIs in there too. So good to see those guys, you know, just kind of different names on here and, and good to see Lorenzo Kane back in the box score uh, doing something solid. Um, for pitching in that first game, we saw uh, Brett Anderson come out and be the Brett Anderson that we hope we see more often, uh, especially moving down the stretch. He went six innings, gave up no earned runs, and had three strikeouts and th- gave up three hits. Uh, and then Miguel Sanchez, Hunter Strickland, and uh, have we figured out how to say Gustav? um, Gustav's first name? Oh, um, I, I probably don't even want to try to butcher it, but it's probably Yandel. I'm, I'm Yandel. Assuming it's probably Yandel. That works for me. Uh, his nickname's Gus, so I might Gus. just go with that the rest of the season. Jeez. Um, yeah, so I, it's good to see him getting innings. 
Um, mm-hmm. He's kind of been the, hey, we're up by a lot. Go in there and and he's keeping it together, which is nice. Um, you know, you, you, it's nice to not have a guy that you go, all right, he's going to go in there and get torched. <laughs> like, yeah, like he'll give like up two runs, but nine. we'll still win the game by three. Yeah, we're up nine. Try not to let him back in it. Like keep it, yeah. keep it under five. Um, Wednesday night's game, like I mentioned, uh, Rodolfo Castro had a hell of a night. Hit two home runs, had three RBIs for Pittsburgh. Uh, and he, I mean, he hit them off of uh, what was it, Hater and mm-hmm. Lauer. Uh, so you gotta gotta feel good when you're a 22 year old kid going yard off of Josh Hader. Um, but at that point, it really didn't matter. The Brewers were up seven to one uh, when that happened in the bottom of the ninth there. But the team, uh, again, Avi, Lorenzo Cain, Urias, Wong, Taylor, uh, all chipped in and had some RBIs. Um, so again, you know, Cain's back in there. Garcia's starting to, to get things rolling again. So nice to see everybody chip it in. And then today, 12 nothing. Uh, including a five run sixth and then six runs over the last three innings of that game. So really just poured it on at the end. Uh, Lorenzo, Rowdy, uh, Tyro Taylor, Manny Pena had a home run today. Mm-hmm. Always good to see the pineapple doing something. Um, he had two homers. Hi, I missed the second one. Fantastic. Um, and uh, Pablo Reyes had a, an RBI double. So kind of everybody jumping on board here. Uh, when your backup catcher is having a two home run game, mm-hmm. you're probably probably going to win that one. Yeah, for sure. A couple of things um, real quick that stood out to me in these, in these couple games here, uh, going back to Tuesday's game, you talked about how Brett Anderson was really good. He pitched uh, six innings, no earned runs. And uh, then you look at the next day, Hauser, and we had talked about last time how they're going to be piggybacking a couple of different starters. This time it was Hauser and Lauer and the two of them, only allowed one run. Uh, Hauser went five innings, no runs, and then and then Lauer pitched three innings and only gave up one earned run. And then Hader, of course, um, he did give up the two home runs. I believe that was on that home run. Or sorry, he gave up two runs. I believe it was yep. on on the on home the home run. run. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, yeah, if you just look again at today's pitching, uh, Peralta went six innings, five five strikeouts, two hits, no earned runs, only one walk. His ERA is really good. He's his strikeouts are up there. He's pitching well, and we had talked and about. He only threw sixty eight pitches today in those six innings, right? And that's um, all he which did. I think he didn't. Ha- he yeah. didn't have to go deeper, which is great. Which is, you know, kind of what you want to see. Like we've mentioned, it's it's going to be tricky to handle this rotation, um, and I think getting Lauer kind of worked back into a bullpen role, which is what we'll probably see him. Um, you know, down the stretch and, and into the playoffs, he would kind of be that guy. So getting him used to that, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of bump around on who he piggybacks um, based on, you know, making sure we're not overworking a guy, um, you know, give them a little bit of a breather in between their starts. So, um, you know, if you can, if you can go six innings and 68 pitches, yeah, get out of here. <laughs> but, you know, if, if next time out, they can piggyback him and, and give him, you know, get him out of there after 50 pitches. Cool. Chill out, man. And uh, keep rolling. Yeah. I love how council is using all these different unique ways to keep his, his rotation fresh and healthy. We did the six man rotation. Now he's kind of doing a six man slash piggyback a little bit. And with the lead that we have in the central, we're seven games up above Cincinnati and they're what five games over 500. Who knows what what that's how it's going to look down the stretch. But when you have a seven game lead in your division, you have the flexibility to, you know, pitch somebody here, give a starter a rest here. And that's that's really going to benefit this team, because if you look at other races, for example, the in the NL uh, in the NL West, the Dodgers, the Giants, the Padres, they don't have that option to start resting starters and their key rotation pieces heading down the stretch because they need every single victory so they can try to keep ahead of the other three in their division. Yeah. Same, same with Atlanta, Philadelphia and the Mets. They there's what the Philadelphia Phillies are only three and a half games back. Atlanta's four games back. The Mets can't sit and just start, you know, resting their, their players as well. But the Brewers have that opportunity and that advantage 
because I'm not going to say that this division's over, but I'm pretty sure this division is over. I don't think Cincinnati's going to be able to bridge that gap between the two the two teams. So it's going to be really, really beneficial for this this Brewers team to just get all that extra rest. And when it comes time for the playoffs, we're going to have our starters well well rested. We're going to have different pitchers have different opportunities. We're going to have all our relievers kind of used to getting more um, innings pitched, and maybe they weren't. You know, if we some relievers who aren't maybe key relievers are getting more opportunities. I'm excited. I think I think this team is just moving in the right direction. We're, we're first place in the, in the division by seven games. We would have never thought that one month ago. It's crazy how baseball just changes so fast. It it is incredible how that that happens. Um, I'm not ready to to jump on board with you yet, and you'll get and there. say and say that. <laughs> You know, in in July, uh, we're going to make the playoffs. Uh, I I remember the collapse. I think it was 2017 um, when mm-hmm. we had a sizable lead that fell apart too. So, I this is a much better team than that was. However, I'm I'm not no lead safe until till it's actually we we get that magic number. Um, but yeah, I mean, seven games it does offer you that flexibility, like you mentioned to do things a little bit differently, get some guys rest, make sure, you know, people are fresh. I think the success over the last month allowed Lorenzo Kane to stay out a little bit longer um, yeah. and, and, you know, fully rest and recover before he came back in. Um, it's given Devin Williams the opportunity to, to slow down his rehab and, and make sure again, he's fully healthy and ready for the stretch run before he jumps back in there. Um, you know, it, it's important things like that, that like you said, these other teams that we're competing against, if Kenley Jansen goes down, they need him back in there as soon as he can. Right. Um, you know, if if Tatis goes down and hits the 10 day or the um uh, the 10 or the 15, it, they need him back right away. You know, like they don't have time to let these guys sit out extra games to to rest and recover to be ready. So I think that's definitely a nice thing. Um Joey Votto is heating up, which scares me because that's a really good lineup. And Joey Votto wasn't hitting earlier in the year. He's hit a home run in six straight games. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And yeah. So maybe, maybe I'm a little premature when, uh, in, in claiming this division, I I think, like I said, I think we're, we, I think we have a pretty good stronghold on it as of now. And it just depends on how we play them and how we play the pirates and the Cubs, because, the Cubs, their season's pretty much over. Pirates, their season has been over. The Cardinals, they have no pitching. So it's really between these two teams. So I think it's how who plays the rest of the, of the division better, you know, heading down the stretch. But yeah, um, I think people are probably tired of listening to us talk, Francisco. Yeah, the only say, reason like, they're still listening is because we've got a great interview coming up next. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. Anything else you want to talk about before we hop off and get to uh, get to Sophia? No, I that, let's just jump into that. I think that's sure. fantastic. Right. That's a I great idea. We've said enough. Sure. We've said enough. We, we have said <laughs> enough. Well, I'll go ahead and welcome in Sophia. Awesome. Pick a number between one and 10. Whatever it is, it isn't high enough for the number of subscriptions you have, including all the ones you've forgotten about. Because most people have an average of about eight subscriptions. So introducing Truebill, the app that gives you the power to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash BlueWire. Look, I subscribe to everything, and I always forget after the free trial is over to cancel, so I was stuck with subscriptions for services I didn't even use anymore. And Truebill saved me a ton of money. Go right now. Truebill.com slash blue wire, it could save you thousands a year. Get an effortless breakdown of your finances to see where your money is going and how to improve. Truebill.com slash blue wire. All right, we are joined by Sophia Minard of Valley Sports. How are you doing today? Thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Um, This is just Jumping right in, uh, this is a question we ask all of our guests on the show. 
how did you get into the sport of baseball and broadcasting and covering it in the way that you do? Um, so I was a journalism and Spanish double major at Marquette and just grew up in a sports family and, and was always around sports. Um, you know, grew up a Brewers fan going to games at County stadium, even though my dad was a Cardinals fan. Um, he has since, you know, joined the right side of that rivalry, but, um, yeah, just, um, you know, having, I always had an interest in working in sports. Um, that was a goal of mine at Marquette. So I interned at ESPN, um, between my junior and my senior year and working in Bristol, Connecticut and working on the shows over there, including on baseball tonight, um, for me was what cemented that I wanted to work in television. So then I started doing internships my senior year and, from there, I just, you know, I took opportunities wherever I could doing high school and college sports, um, doing that in Madison, doing that all over the Midwest. And then in 2012, I had an opportunity to start working with Fox Sports Wisconsin, which is now um, Valley Sports Wisconsin. So this is my ninth season um, working with the Brewers. And for the first couple of years, I was doing both Brewers and Bucks, but now I'm, I'm exclusively with the Brewers. Awesome. So obviously working in sports for you know, with the Brewers for nine years and then going back to your time with ESPN, we've really seen a, a change, almost a renaissance lately of of getting more women involved with sports, um, with broadcasting, especially in baseball. How have you seen that that switching from a personal standpoint with you? Um, yeah, I, I think it's great, right? I think we need more female voices. And, you know, in the time that I've been in the league, I think you've seen more women, not just in the reporting roles, which has historically been the more traditional role but I think you're seeing now more female analysts people like Jessica Mendoza you know who was working on Sunday Night Baseball for a while she's currently um, in Tokyo covering the Olympics on the softball side Um, and also you're seeing more women get play-by-play opportunities which I think is is even more important to have females have more opportunities to be that lead voice of of doing play-by-play one of my good friends Jenny Kavnar was among the first with the Colorado Rockies. Um, and there are women doing it in both television and radio. There's Susan Waldman with the New York Yankees, Melanie Newman with the Baltimore Orioles. And then it was just about a week or two ago that they had a historic podcast um, on MLB Network having five women um, do an all-female broadcast. It was the first time that they had ever done that before. And um, I think things like that are important. Um, I hope we get to a point where it's not groundbreaking. You know, I think it's it's important to have first, but you want to see more people follow behind them. So I've definitely seen an increase in opportunities and, and more importantly, really talented women proving that they can do it. Yeah, it's exciting to hear that, especially um, with everything going on, the shift in the culture of baseball and sports, um, really in all sports, not only seeing women in sports, but more minorities in sports. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's black or Hispanic or Asian American, getting more opportunities in the in jobs that they may have not they may have not had that opportunity just several years ago. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's important just considering how diverse Major League Baseball is. Um, you know, there's obviously a huge Latin presence among the mm-hmm. players. I think you're seeing even that grow, um, you know, with the countries that are represented from um, Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico and Mexico and Venezuela, um, Cuba, um, you know, you're seeing influence from Asia as well, right? With Japan and China. Um, so I, it really is a global game. So I think that, you know, the people that are the faces and voices of respective teams and just across the league, it, it should match the representation that you're seeing with the players and the staff within the league itself. Um, so one of Francisco's favorite players is Willie Adamas, especially since he came to the Brewers. Have you seen anybody, just their energy, have a, that much of an impact on a team uh, coming in midseason? It's been really remarkable. Um, and I, I don't know if you could, you know, just with the trade deadline coming up here, I, I don't know if there's a move that could be more impactful than the one that they already did make um, in, in May, acquiring Willie Adamas from the Tampa Bay Rays. And he he changed this team in the best possible way. And he did it with the energy he brings. He did it with the play on the field. He did it. He does it with the defense. He does it with the bat. He does it with how he treats people, how he cares about his teammates. Um, 
we just see it. We, we saw it the first day um, in Cincinnati. You know, Luis Arias hits a home run and the first one to greet him out of the dugout is Willie Adamas, who he had just met a couple hours before. Um, and it's it's not an act. It's it's genuine. That's who he is. He cares really deeply about everyone around him, no matter how much time you've spent around him um, or what your role is. He he really, truly does care about everybody. Um, and so I think you just see that every day. He loves to have fun. He loves to have energy. He does remind me so much of Carlos Gomez, who has been a, a huge role model of his, and, and they share the same hometown in Santiago. So um, Willie has known Carlos since he was like 10 or 12 years old. And, uh, you know, he's even ranked number 27. So it, it does feel a little bit like Carlos Gomez 2.0. But he, he has certainly changed this team in the best possible way. With the addition of Eduardo Escobar, do you think he can have a similar impact on this team? Yeah, I think he comes over with a really similar profile, right? He's a veteran infielder. He's 32 years old, so he has more experience and is certainly older than Willie Adamas. But he comes over with a reputation of, of you know, just loving to play the game, having a lot of fun. Um, you know, when he spoke to reporters last night, he said he was going to give 200%, you know, with his time in Milwaukee. He's really excited about joining a first-place team. Um, what I've heard from people with the Diamondbacks is, is just as much, you know, this is a high character person. Um, again, great teammate, great leader in the clubhouse. He he's respected within the game. He was a first time all-star this year. And, you know, he had been the back-to-back -back winner of their Luis Gonzalez award, which is an award that the Diamondbacks give out, which kind of best exemplifies, you know, just the talent and spirit and heart and everything that Luis Gonzalez, who is a legend for the Diamondbacks um, and is currently a senior advisor for them, um, he was also their nominee for the Roberto Clemente Award, which kind of tells you everything that the organization, um, what they think of him. So uh, certainly he could, um, he's not with the team yet, but he could certainly have that similar kind of impact that, that Willie Adamas did. Do you think the Brewers still have uh, a move left in them in just over 24 hours before the deadline? Yeah, I think so. I think they're going to continue to be active. You know, they have until three o'clock Friday. Um, David Stearns and Matt Arnold and the rest of the front office, they pursue every single opportunity to make the team better. Um, they have a great track record of making the right moves. Um, sometimes they're surprising. Sometimes they're not what we expect. But uh, more often than not, they, they end up being really impactful. And, and players, whether it's a pitcher, a reliever, a position player, who do ultimately help this team win and accomplish the goal of getting to the postseason, which for them, they're trying to do for a fourth straight year. So, um, you know, they're in a great position and I think they're, they're going to continue to be active knowing that, you know, this is essentially it. This is your last opportunity to add to the team. It's incredible that of all the teams, only three have made the playoffs the, the past three years, uh, the Dodgers, Oakland, and the Brewers. There was an mm -hmm. article in the athletic about, that the Brewers may not have anybody or they may be willing to trade any other minor leaguers to get an impact player. Do you, is there, is there validity in that? Do you think there's anybody who is quote unquote untouchable on the Brewers in their farm system? Um, I, I don't know if they would consider anybody untouchable. I mean, I think you have to recognize that in order to make these trade deadline moves, especially when you're acquiring major league talent, it, the, usually the price you pay for that is matching the major league talent or, you know, a, a number of minor league prospects, right? They had to give up two minor league prospects in order to acquire Eduardo Escobar. You go back even to the Miami trade to acquire Christian Yelich, a player of that caliber. You have to give up four of your top prospects. Um, so, I mean, there, there is a price to, to adding to your team. So I would not go as so far as to say that someone is untouchable in the organization you could say maybe a you know a top pick like an Ethan Small who, who they believe in and could be in the vein of like a Brandon Woodruff Corbin Burns even an Aaron Ashby right who we saw earlier this year so I think there are there are certainly prospects you would like to protect but to go so far as to say untouchable I you know I'm just not sure you could you could say that so with this being the last time to add you know, to the lineup from outside of the organization. Uh, obviously, Christian Yelich hasn't been what we saw him be in 2018 and 19. Um, with 
with all the Simone Biles uh, talk going on right now about just the mental aspect of it and how, you know, some of what she's doing is just hard for her to, to mentally process and, and deal with the potential of an injury with some of that stuff. Do you think a lot of uh, Yelich's issues right now are mental going back to, uh, you know, that foul ball he took off the knee that ended his 2019 season? Or do you think it's more than that at play here? I don't No, no, I don't. Um, I, I mean, I, I can't speak to Christian's mental state, but just being around him every day, um, watching him, how he goes about his work, he can handle pressure and stress and expectations um, as good as anybody as I've ever seen. I mean, what he went through in 2018, where his career and his life changed virtually overnight, it felt like, um, with how he came out of the All-Star game, you know, hitting a home run in that game, and then just how he just absolutely took off in the second half of 2018. And by the end of that season, he was hearing MVP chants on a nightly basis, right? And and the weight of this team was was totally on his shoulders. And it was the same thing in 2019 before the injury. So he's he is not afraid of of taking that responsibility. And I think he knew when he signed the long-term deal um, of nine years and essentially committing his career to the Brewers in 2020. He, he's very aware of what the expectations are and he's very aware that he's the face of the franchise now and he, he can handle it. He's prepared for that. So um, it definitely has not been the kind of production that we've seen from Christian in terms of the power and the slug, but the obvious percentage is still there for him. It's over 400. He's drawing a lot of walks. He is still an excellent base runner. He is still giving this team great defense and it's still the threat of Christian Yelich every night. Um, he can still do damage on on any pitch. We just haven't seen it show up consistently. And we're holding him to an almost impossible standard of the production that he did give this team in 18 and 19. So, um, but I think, I think Christian takes everything in stride. He's very humble. Um, he's still doing the work. It's not for a lack of effort. So... Um, again, he's still Christian Yelich. Um, you know, even when he's not at his best, he's still better than the majority of the league. You had mentioned about high expectations. And if you think about Keston Hira and the expectations that you were you were talking about expectations and how we had expectations mm-hmm. put on him after what he did in 2019. Um, he obviously hasn't right. lived up to that. In 2020, we, we thought COVID and then now it's kind of maybe a slow start. But at what point... Um, do we maybe think that 2019 was a fluke and he just maybe not that hitter or is it more like kind of what Todd was saying about the mental side of things, or is it just uh, maybe something else or what are, what are, what are the thoughts on, on Kesson here and what he's has and hasn't been able to do? Yeah, I think, I think what we need to keep in mind with Keston is he's still a really young player, um, mm-hmm. you know, and we saw him come up in 19 and have success. And then 20 was an abbreviated season. It was obviously a very tough start for him um, to this season. And, and he's been optioned to AAA twice now, you know, to try to get it right. And, and the second time they brought him up, it was really out of necessity because that's when Daniel Vogelback went down with the hamstring injury. Um and I think the thing to keep in mind is that coming into this season, even with the success that Keston Hira had, had shown us, it was still less than one full major league season. You know, when you take the number of games in 19, the 16 season last year, and then the first part of this season, it, it only amounts to a full 162 game season. So um, I think for Keston, this is still, he's still learning at the major league level. He's still a developing player. Um and he's he's learning himself, right? I think you know the there's no secrets, there's no shortage of information at this level. So his issues for him have been um, handling velocity, the high fastball, chasing out of the zone. So he's been working on his strike discipline. He's been working on um, pitch recognition. Um, his mechanics are a little unorthodox with the leg kicks. So these are kind of all things that Keston has to work on, and and he's going to continue to do that. Um, again, this is still a player with a lot of talent, a lot of upside. They've always liked his aptitude. So there, there is still a lot of confidence in Keston that he can get things turned around. Yeah. And that would be, I mean, huge. If you, you look at, you know, if, if Yelich can 
get back to, you know, even a, you know, 80, 90% offensively of what we were seeing from him towards the end of, of 18 and 19. And then, you know, Hira brings some of that back. I mean, that's just almost seems like an endless amount of, of bats in this lineup, which would be great. Um, last question here for you, Sophia, looking at kind of how, you know, the, the pandemic has affected you and your job, obviously doing the offsite broadcasts uh, when the team's on the road and you guys still being at Miller Park. What are some of the pros in, or AmFam Field? Sorry. Um, what are some of the pros and cons of, of that for you guys? And do you think that's part of the game, the, the future of the game? Or, or is there going to be a day when uh-huh. you guys are all back out on the road full time with the team? Yeah, I I hope it's not the norm. Um, I don't think anybody who is broadcasting these games this way would tell you that they hope that it's the norm. Um, You know, our hope is that next year we can all get back on the road. Um, You know, the good news is, is that our our radio team is able to travel. So that's, that's been nice. They started that kind of just before the all-star break. So Jeff Lovering and Lane Grindle, they're on the road. But on the television side, um, you know, no one is traveling yet with the exception of the national networks. So um, it's definitely been really challenging. You know, I think we were all hoping that we would be traveling by this point. Um, we have to give a lot of credit to our our production crews who do everything technically to make it possible for us to do uh, the games remotely like we are doing in terms of you know, the video we have, the audio we have, the support we have, um, we're all doing the best that we can to still make it a quality product. And I hope, um, it, you know, it's certainly not the same, but I hope for the fans watching at home that they don't feel like there has been a significant drop off in the quality of, you know, the games and the broadcast that they're seeing every night. I think we are still doing our best, um, you know, to make it seem um I guess as natural and as consistent as we can considering what we're missing. So, um, you know, I'm hopeful that next year we're all back on the road. It's definitely really challenging to do it this way. And um, especially at this time of year, right. When there's a lot going on with the trade deadline, you're getting into August and September, you're getting into a postseason push, um, you know, and again, this is a really fun team to watch. So um, it, you, you feel like you're missing a lot, but I, our hope is that, you know, next year we can, we can all get back on the road. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I think that would be ideal for most fans. You know, like you mentioned, it's, it's hard to tell a lot of times at home because the production value is so good still that, you know, you, you guys aren't mm-hmm. there in the ballpark. Um, every once in a while you'll, you'll catch rock, you know, see a replay and be like, Oh wait, actually that was a slider or, you know, or something like that where normally he's going to pick that up if he's in the ballpark. Other than that, I mean, there, there's not really a difference from the fan experience. I don't think um, other than obviously not having, mm-hmm. you know, the, the post game interviews with, with you guys on the field, um, which is always something we look forward to. So we appreciate you coming on today, Sophia. Uh, I know you've got a lot going on there. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, you are obviously welcome back on anytime. We'd love to have you. So thank you very much. Um, and if you want to let the folks know where they can find you uh, on Twitter, out in the socials, that'd be great. Um, yeah, it's just at Sophia Minert. Pretty easy. Um, Instagram and Twitter. So um, pretty easy for everyone. Awesome. Thank you very much. Well, that that was a great interview. I thought she had a ton of good points. Uh, I love that she mentioned that no one's off limits or no one's untouchable. I know that she said that there are some players they would like to keep, but the fact that they're willing to make trades and she was quick to quick to say that they were going to make another trade, which I love. I'm excited to see what happens. The trade deadlines tomorrow at three o'clock. I'm, I'm excited, but let's go ahead and wrap up this show. Well, if anything breaks tomorrow, we'll jump back on. I'll do another emergency podcast, which I don't mind doing for for this, uh, for <laughs> right. this in this situation, um, but we'll go ahead and uh, and wrap it up. Have a great night. Hey, it's John. You want to look and feel your very best? Visit the team at Cool Contours. They are the number one cool sculpting provider in Virginia. Their award-winning team of certified cool sculpting elite and cool tone specialists work with you to create a fully customized treatment plan to achieve your dream body. Learn more at cool-contours.com. That's cool-contours.com. As ranked by Allergen in June 2021, cool sculpting leaves FDA clear to visible fat bulges in nine areas of the body. Some common side effects include temporary numbness, discomfort, and swelling. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.